All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The first selection of the National Hockey League Draft belongs to... The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes to you courtesy of the Nation Network. The first overall pick in the 2015 NHL Draft. Face-off. The Daily Face-Off. The Daily Face-Off podcast with your host, Brock Sagan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 69 of the Daily Face-Off podcast. <laughs> it's not season three today because it's episode 69. You know what it's about. But I'm your host, Brock Sagan. <laughs> with me, as always, we got Dylan D. Bursty. How's it going, D? Oh, it can't be anything but great on episode 69, Brock. Yeah, it's a nice episode for sure. And then we also got Super Michael, nice. Michael Beebs. Bonnie, how's it going, Beebsy? I don't get it. It's just the number before seventy and after sixty-eight. I don't. I don't. I don't know what you guys are talking about. We'll explain it to you. Good. We'll explain it to you at the break. Got some things to teach you, still, Beebs. Okay. <laughs> but uh, one step at a time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but before we get into this, I just want to talk about dailyfaceoff.com a little bit. Uh, I know I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I just wanted to push it a little bit more. Uh, we've got some Plug it pre- up, dude. We've got some premium features this year, uh, including a lineup optimizer, which is pretty sweet. You can kind of, if you don't know exactly how to build your DFS lineup, it helps you with premium projections, uh, helps you kind of build the perfect lineup to use your salary 
uh, efficiently and make sure you build the best lineup possible and also, uh, you know, obviously take home all the monies uh, that are available that evening. Uh, but now, as a part of our optimizer package, Adam Daly's line matching article uh, is a premium article that comes with your lineup optimizer package. And it's great. Every single day, he breaks down every single line, uh, who they're going to face uh, or who, like, they're expected to face at least and kind of who has the edge. It really makes building... Uh, a lineup that much easier, which lines to target. It, it, it's an extremely useful tool. Uh, I read it myself every single day because it's just unreal. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a premium chat where you can just jump in uh, whenever you have a daily fantasy question, uh, whether it's every day or every week. Uh, whenever it is, there's always guys in there ready to answer uh, all your questions. Uh, and then as for some free stuff, I just want to talk about quickly. I just started doing it three days ago. Uh, it's called the Daily Fantasy Notebook. Uh, this is pretty much useful for any fantasy hockey player, whether it's season-long or daily fantasy. Basically, all it is is about four hours, three to four hours before the first puck drop of the night. I usually get it up. It breaks down all the injuries that you need to get uh, you know, familiar with for that night. Uh, all the line changes, so if somebody goes from a healthy scratch to back in the lineup, if somebody goes from the third line to the top line, all the line changes that you need to know about to help set your lineup, uh, whether it be, like I said, season-long or daily fantasy, it's all right there in one. We also brought back the goalie rankings. Uh, Obviously, over the past couple years, I was doing them by myself, Uh, but now I've got Josh Harris and Adam helping me out, so we all rank our goalies. So tonight, it was 1 through 24, uh, and we make a consensus ranking. Again, you, if you're uh, you got that dilemma on a, especially on a busy night like tonight, twelve games, you don't know which of your three goalies to start. Go ahead and use that and the two highest goalies ranked there. Plug them in your lineup, and you don't have to worry. And then for the guys who play DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever it is, uh, we also list our favorite uh, value picks at forward and defense. So it's a very helpful little tool uh, to kind of just you know if you're at work all day, you don't have a chance to check up uh, daily faceoff all day like some of those goons on that website 24 uh, 7 it's just a way to break it down it's kind of all you need to know before setting your lineup uh, i think it's a pretty helpful tool i tweeted out today a poll, a poll uh, whether or not people found it helpful or not and 75 percent of people did so uh to those other 25 percent, whatever you're, pro- you're probably just uh on the site all day and you just don't care because uh, you know just as much as i do so that is uh couple little shameless plugs but make sure you check out Daily i thought you're just gonna call people out right there <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, I don't call. Start losing it. I know. You're like twenty five percent. No, that's all right. Hey, you can't. You, you can't please everybody. That's all right. But uh, absolutely. Before we get right into all the fantasy hockey juiciness, uh, I just kind of want to go around the league a little bit and talk about some of the more relevant uh, hot topics across the NHL right now. Uh, and I think we'll. You know, I hate reading about it every single day, so we might as well just get it right out of the way uh, right now. Let's talk a little bit about how Vegas. Uh, has kind of, you know, they got off to a really hot start. It was a real good feel-good story. Uh, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> their goalies just are all dead. Uh, they just, every yeah. once a week, they seemingly lose a goaltender. They're down to Maxime Legacy, uh, which I found out that's how you pronounce it on the broadcast the other night. Um, okay. You know, I think they'd be better off having Manny Legacy between the pipes. I was going to say, it's definitely an alias. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just Manny still in there, yeah, pretending to be a 24-year-old sure. kid. Uh, but (laughs) more so the goalies, I think the one thing we should talk about, because I remember I called them as my bust at the start of the year and I, 
And this wasn't really for this reason right now, but Vadim Shapachyov, uh looks like he's, his days in Vegas are already over pretty much before they even started. I think he got uh, a total of like 30 minutes of ice time in three games, and it looks like they're about to part ways or, or, or something. I, I, they haven't officially terminated his contract. I guess uh, the latest report is they're kind of reaching around the league to make sure that if they do waive him, he won't get claimed <laughs> and he'll be able to just go back to Russia. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, what do you guys think about how Vegas kind of, you know, George McPhee handled this whole situation? Uh, D, why don't we start with you? Uh, I think it's got to be pretty disappointing for a Vegas fan, right? Um, it's hard to make of kind of what's all happened behind the scenes, but the end result, like I said, has to be nothing but disappointing. It was one of the big selling points um, coming into this year for someone, I guess, that uh, could really be a, a premier offensive talent on this team. Potentially, it was the second uh, leading scorer in the KHL last year, the second best league in the world. Um, so, yeah, can't be anything but disappointing for Vegas fans and just a peculiar situation overall uh, in the hockey world. Yeah, it's super weird. Um, one thing, too, that, that Vegas is trying to make sure is that he's going to actually go back to the KHL. They don't want him opting out of this contract and then just going and uh, signing for you know $1 million somewhere else, being a third-line center there. So that's one thing they want to guarantee, too. But it, like D said, it's kind of it's odd. The guy was so successful out there in the K, but I think it does show um, just kind of the work ethic of NHL players. There's a lot of rumors going around now. Obviously, this is just rumors and that. He wasn't quite you know, up to that work ethic of the NHL. And that's come up from a lot of guys from the KHL. So um, who knows? Uh, it's kind of sad. You pay a guy that much money, you expect quite a bit from him. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's been a lot of positives in Vegas. So they needed one negative. Yeah, I guess there's no better time to, to apologize than right now. If you guys hear a tremendous amount of background noise, specifically when I'm talking, uh, I do record this in a giant metal building. And it is just raining cats and dogs out there right now, so there might be a little bit of background noise. I'll, I'll edit it out when you guys are talking, but uh, there's not much I can do when I'm talking. But it is just giving her out there. Uh, so I apologize in advance. But, yeah, obviously, um, the one thing that was hilarious, actually, I can't remember who tweeted it the other day, but they quote tweeted. It was one of like the early on Vegas Golden Knight tweets when they only had like three players before the expansion draft, and it was like, guy, Shapachev, guy, 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 guy. And yeah. like he was basically like the only player listed on their team, and he lasted like all of three games. Um, <laughs> but like, I mean, I think the one driving force you'd have to think too is he should probably want to go back to Russia, right? Because then he gets a chance to play in the Olympics and whatever. Uh, so I'm sure yep. uh, he wasn't planning on coming over to. And you know what? I don't even think it was Vegas necessarily like sticking it to the guy. I think it was just the way like you know their roster worked out. Like he was one of the only waiver exempt guys that they could send to the AHL uh, mm -hmm. because they had so many you know one way contracts. Uh, a little bit of a segue here. Shea Theodore was the exact same same, same boat. He picked up eleven points, I think, in eight AHL games. He finally got called up, uh, and he might be one of their best defensemen. And he was just kind of uh, a victim of a numbers game there at the start of the season. Uh, but uh, do you guys expect big things from him going forward? I know we've kind of talked about him a bit on the podcast before, uh, but do you guys foresee him being a pretty useful fantasy asset this year? Yeah, I don't want to, you know, jump on him any more than we have because we have given him a lot of love and it's probably probably is deserved. But once he does get in that lineup, I think he's going to stay in that lineup. You can't, they'll see his uh, his talent and it does seem like he's, he is finally breaking into that lineup. Um, and once he is, he's going to get the power play minutes and that's really what, what matters in fantasy most times, especially for defensemen. Um, I do like just kind of keeping an eye on him for a back end guy, but again, he's playing on Vegas, so how much can, or like how much do you really expect out of 
That him. <laughs> That's what we said at the start of the year, though, and then they started like ten and one. I uh, I'm still gonna stand by like nothing against Vegas. It's been a great start, but it's just like the numbers are just. It, no, yeah, I I, I, I don't see. It I, I totally agree. And with you. they've dropped the last two. I don't know how they're doing tonight. But, I think they're uh, down two one. As, as a lot of it's down. goaltending now, but but um, still goaltending and a weak team around them. It, it it's bound to the this Cinderella story is gonna. End it's eventually. it's gonna fold eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, you know, there's a lot of hype around Shea Theodore, relatively speaking, and I think it's probably just because of the situation he's in uh, or been in. But at the end of the day, like, we're still talking about a guy who's only got 17 points in 53 career games. Uh, still just 22 years old, which is obviously why he's so appealing. Um, but, like, best case, courtesy or speculative ad right now, and I don't even know if he's worth that. I'd, like, first of all, I'd be curious to see if he gets those kind of first pair uh, minutes and then I would still have to see kind of what he does in that extended role uh, before I'm ready to really jump on him for this year but still moving forward I think a nice piece for Vegas for sure yeah I mean I jumped on him in pretty much all my leagues because I was kind of down one defense spot in most of my leagues which I normally mm-hmm. kind of do and at the start of the year I like to kind of just draft four defensemen see you know see who emerges from the waiver wire and as soon as he was it was rumors he was getting called up I jumped all over it thinking he was going to step right into those minutes and the first night, they I guess they stuck with the winning lineup, healthy scratched him, then they got him in the lineup the other night, and then they scratched him again tonight. So I'm a little confused as to what they're doing out there uh, in Vegas. But I <laughs> What mean, else is new? What else is new, exactly. Uh, but let's move along quickly. Uh, we got a little hung up there on the rain in Las Vegas. But, uh, D, here's a, a bit of a topic near and dear to your heart. The Leafs, obviously, we talked about them uh, a couple weeks ago, how they just emerged all of a sudden as uh, like the fan- Stan- Stanley Cup favorites after a couple of... Uh, weeks into the season, and then all of a sudden they've kind of fallen off a little bit in the last couple games. Uh, specifically, Frederick Anderson is the one really struggling out there. Uh, you know, do you make anything of the Leafs' hot start or or their uh, you know their recent stretch of poor play? Is it, are they kind of just a team that lies somewhere in the middle? You think? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think I was pretty front center about it. I never thought they had the makeup on defense to really be a top five like elite elite team right now. Um, it was kind of funny when the, you know, the odds came out the first weekend of the season or whatever, and the Leafs were the odds on favorite to win the cup, yeah, which again, I mean, Vegas odds, they're not meant to be like the best, uh, representative of what people think will happen, but it's all about curving bets, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Um, if you give the Leafs any sort of favorable odds, uh, the house is going to be in a situation to lose basically. So that's why they do that. But anyway, um, yeah, I think it's been a combination of Anderson struggling, obviously, and a lack of secondary scoring. Uh, from the Maple Leafs right now. Anything apart from the Matthews line has really struggled the last few games at even strength. Um, and they haven't been as productive on the power play as a lot of people you know, thought or might hoped. But the good thing is they do have a lot of options to kind of play with on that power play. Should definitely still be, be, be a playoff team moving forward. Um, but maybe not the cup contenders everyone kind of wanted to crown them as early on. <laughs> Just weeks into the season. <laughs> it's a little early. Why not? Yeah, but you know what? That's probably what happened. You're right. They, you know, they just got off to a ridiculous start, and Vegas just saw all this money start pouring on the Leafs, and like, shit, what if they're actually yeah. really good? <laughs> Let's make them the favorites. So this is a team that um, is technically supposed to still be in a rebuild. So I think people are just jumping ship a little too early. Um, but uh, I agree with the I do think they're still a playoff team. They, they're, I mean, they're. It's just kind of a rough patch. We saw how good they could look at the beginning of the year, and I don't think they're very far off from getting back to that. I mean, all teams struggle. Maybe this is just the least least time, and right now they're on a pretty terrible uh, 
stretch out west. So uh, once that's over and done with and they can get back home, I think it's uh, they can go back on a nice winning streak again. And with a lot of goals, they've proven they can score. Anderson's a proven solid number one goaltender. Um, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. yeah. I, the one thing, like, we definitely – there's nothing to worry about offensively. That's the no. – that's obvious, excuse me, but uh, yeah. Anderson's been a bit of a question mark early. Uh, definitely had a rough start to the year. Right now has the second low, lowest low danger save percentage in the NHL. Uh, the only per- only goalie worst right now in that category is Semyon Varlamov, uh, your boy Biebs. Uh, but the Leafs are also giving up 32 <laughs> shots per game right now when that's probably a trend that should be expected to continue. Uh, it's just, like you said, D, just the way that it's kind of that blue line's constructed. Uh, and... and just the style of hockey that they play. I mean, there's such mm-hmm. a, you know, a fast paced, uh, high event hockey team that Anderson's numbers are going to kind of take a hit, uh, just, you know, because of that. And, uh, but realistically he probably has as good a chance as any goalie in the league to, to win a four, three game every night. Uh, but he also is, you know, one of the better chances of getting a 40 wins this year as well, because of how good, uh, that offense can be. Uh, but let's talk about another Canadian team that's really struggled out of the gate. Uh, I know my friends over at Oilers Nation are just losing their minds right now. Uh, the Oilers are obviously off to just an abysmal start to the season. Uh, I don't know for sure, but the other day they were still the lowest scoring team in the NHL. Um, I think they might still be, at least if they're not in the basement, at least close to it. Um, but... It is bizarre. I mean, let's just let's just take it at what it is here. Uh, today, I saw a model that had them at nine percent chance of making the playoffs, which is just why some of those models Crazy. are stupid. Uh, it's been one month, uh, and it doesn't really take a genius, I don't think, to realize that this team is still an obvious playoff team, uh, if not still a cu- potential cup contender. Uh, right now, they have the highest uh, Corsi for the NHL, the second lowest even strength sh- uh, shooting percentage. And the sixth worst PDO right now, which obviously goes hand in hand with their even strength shooting percentage. Uh, they still have Connor McDavid. They still have Cam Talbot, who I'm sure will figure it out uh, here in the coming weeks. Uh, do you guys buy into this slow start? Do you buy into the nine percent chance of making the playoffs, or do you guys still have a lot of faith in the Oilers going forward? I think you said it all with just the PDO and then um, the shot percentage. It's just it, that those are stats that turn around. I mean, last year with Boston, they didn't. Um, so. Let's hope that it's not a case of that. But um, at the same time, um, I'm not too worried about it. But I, I, I say that every day, and then they keep losing. losing. <laughs> do you, what do you think? Yeah, I just I, I kind of worry about like how much string they have to play with here. Um, yeah. I obviously thought they were a playoff team on paper coming into the year, but they're just so top-heavy that I don't think you can really put them in kind of that um, – elite i guess even like top four placing which is what they ended up reaching in their conference last year i'm not quite sold on that um but they're obviously way better than what they've shown so far and uh, just to your like your point brock lowest in the league right now in goals for second in the league in shots per game 37.6 a game so obviously yeah. that's bound to turn um and like the leafs that's kind of the heart and center of this team if they're not scoring they're obviously going to be struggling you can say that about any team but um yeah, I think moving forward, they should be better. Um, I just think, you know, for their fan's sake, they better figure it out sooner rather than later because, like I said, I don't know how much string they have to play with in, the, in their division. Yeah, that's a fan base that's, you know, became accustomed to losing for so long. And then they finally started winning, and I don't think that they can go back to those losing ways. I think it would crush their souls a little bit. 
No. I'm in the same boat, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. For sure. Uh, but the the other thing too, I was just gonna point out is uh, it was pretty funny the other day. Somebody tweeted uh, some Sportsnet article or something about how um, the the Oilers were searching for offense on the wings or whatever, and then somebody like took a picture of that tweet and put it next to two other tweets about uh, Oilers trade Taylor Hall to Devils and Oilers trade Everly to Islanders, and I was just like, well. You had that, and you got rid of it. I mean, obviously for salary reasons as well. But uh, speaking of Taylor Hall, the last topic and team I want to talk about here quickly is the New Jersey Devils. Uh, are they My for favorite. real? Uh, D or sorry, Beebs, we'll start with you on this one because uh, you said that they were going to be this year's Toronto Maple Leafs in the Bold Predictions podcast. Uh, are you sticking by that? Are you still a believer? What do you think about uh, the Devils going forward? I don't think that they're a 9-2 and two hockey team i'll say that much before i get started here because that would just be straight up ridiculous but i do think that they are a much improved hockey team who i think could surprise some people and squeak into the playoffs this year still they um they've they've proven i i mean i haven't watched a ton of them but they do look quick whenever i do watch them so i'm just gonna assume they've been quick out there they do have like an entirely new devil's team like (laughs) yeah they're not your dad's devils that's for sure no, not, they're not Lou Lamorello's Devils anymore. <laughs> no. no, yeah, yeah, no, which is crazy. Um, but no, they they do look uh, they look great, and um, as well, their goaltending's been pretty nice to start as well too. That does that doesn't hurt at all with Schneider there. Um, and I do think maybe this could be his year. We've kind of we've always seen him play super well, but could this be the year he stands out? Um, I, I I just like them a lot more than maybe a lot of us assumed we would going into the year. But I do think they're bottom of the uh, bottom of the playoffs team. That's going to slow down a bit, but maybe uh, not as much as Vegas is going to slow down. D, what do you think about the uh, the Devils? Um, you know, I think of the their division is kind of weak enough where they can ride this, but to me, they've been like really just overachievers to this point. Um, I think they still they still look good moving forward. Um, you know, in their progression as a I guess whatever that slight rebuild they had was. Um, but, you know, you're looking at a team with, I think, the second or third worst Corsi right now. Yeah, third worst. Um, yeah, so it's just obviously not a recipe for success in, in the long term, relying on uh, kind of elite goaltending that's been, you know, shaky for them at best in the last few years. Um, probably not going to turn out the best results in the long term. There's been a lot of guys, especially up front, who have overachieved, at least in terms of, like, shooting percentage and stuff early on. Um and, you know, they've gotten a lot of help production from areas they weren't expecting and probably won't continue as the season goes on. But uh, hats off to them on a good start. And like I said, hopefully they can ride out the momentum for their fan base sake. But I've seen this play before um, with the Randy Carlisle Maple Leafs, and it ends in the most heartbreaking fashion you can imagine. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's that same type of team, right? It's that same type of recipe. Yeah. Um, they're relying on converting at a higher than normal rate and relying on their goaltending to stop a higher than normal amount of uh, high scoring chances, which isn't always the best uh, or like is terrible, never really the best long term strategy. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds like a terrible formula <laughs> yeah. to me. But uh, yeah, like you said, third worst possession team in the NHL right now, si- uh, sixth highest uh, on ice shooting percentage, fourth best 5v5 save percentage uh but like i said obviously they got some things going for them and Corey schneider uh taylor hall nico he look pretty solid in his first month as a as a rookie i did like the pickups you know they, they had some nice offseason moves you know marcus johansson was a little bit underrated drew stafford same same boat but 
Um, I mean, we were just talking about the Leafs uh, being still a pretty good team, even though their blue line shaky. If their blue line shaky, I don't know oh, what yeah, the Devils' blue are. line is. Uh, I mean, they got some nice, decent young pieces. I mean, Will Butchers looked good. Mirko Mueller looks to be, res- you know, kind of resurrecting his career a little bit. Uh, but the rest of the, I mean, I don't know. I like David Severson, but I don't know how long you can just kind of sit there and rely on Ben Lovejoy and John Moore and Andy Green. So, uh, I mean, they're not brutal defensemen, but I'm not about to be like, oh, I love this team. Every time I look at that blue line, I'm like, yeah, I don't like this team at all. So, uh Going forward, whatever we'll see what what happens. I just, but I don't know. I still have my doubts that they're a playoff team, just by looking at the numbers. Uh, you know, obviously numbers aren't everything, but by looking at the numbers, you have to have uh, you have to be a little bit skeptical for sure. Sticking to my bottom of the playoff prediction. There you go. Hey, you know that was a bold prediction, and you you look That's smart so far. Yeah. Uh, before, <laughs> before we move into another segment, I just kind of like to extend my condolences to you, Beebs. Uh, I know yeah. you tweeted about it yesterday. Beebs placed a nice bet on the L.A. Dodgers to win the World Series. What was it, back in June or July? Uh, July 1st, so Ju- Canada Day. July 1st. Um, and it, it yeah. almost came true, man. I was uh, – I hate the Do- – I don't even hate the Dodgers, actually. I like the Dodgers. I just hate Chase Utley. Uh, so I just didn't want to yeah. see him win. And I wanted to see Verlander uh, get a ring. But It uh, literally I- got dragged on, like, as far as possible to break my heart, though. Like, I was thinking about this last night when I went to bed. I, like, through my tears of just, you know, everything. Um <laughs> But I was like, it went to game seven, and like there were so many extra inning games, and just just it, ruined, it, it, just like, ruined. Like, you they could have lost sides. in the first round, and I would have been like, oh sweet, yeah, you know what, whatever, that's done. But no, you had to drag me. Al- that's okay. It was a fun ride. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, yeah, uh, made had, the playoffs fun. There you go. Uh, but let's get into it. Let's get back to hockey, obviously. Um, so <laughs> normally, what we do is talk about kind of some buy low candidates or some sell high candidates, and then we talk about why they're sell high candidates. And oftentimes, um, it has a lot to do with their on ice shooting percentage. Uh, it's something that we talk about a lot, and I don't think we've ever really truly explained in depth uh, for some people who might not know what it is. I mean, it is fairly self explanatory just by its name. But, D, why don't you give the listeners who maybe don't have as good of an understanding a quick rundown of, of what on-ice shooting percentage means and, and how you can apply it? Right. So um, the first thing I would suggest if anyone who, you know, really doesn't understand this stat or maybe uh, hasn't really heard or understood it before is uh, Down Goes Brown uh, wrote a great introductory, introductory piece on uh, on-ice shooting percentage for Grantland a few years ago. I think it was 2014. Um, it's still available and still super relevant if you want to break down of on ice shooting percentage and kind of why we put so much stock into it on this show. Um, if you just Google on ice shooting percentage in the NHL Grantland, it'll come up. Um, so it, it's kind of the reason we care about it all. We all care about it so much. Is it has uh, such, uh, I guess it really affects the traditional skater stats that fantasy sports are kind of based around. We see guys go on hot and cold streaks all the time. And uh, you know, more often than not, it's due to in the, an above average or way below average on ice shooting percentage. And, you know, you see stretches as long as a month or two with percentage in the 15 to 20 range or as low as two or 3%. Remember Aaron Ekblad last year is a good example of that. Um, but over larger sample sizes, it's very hard to distance yourself from the league average, which is generally between seven and 10%. Um, so all these guys we're going to talk about now should be expected to regress on either side. So the question we're looking at when we're looking at guys on the high end of the scale, it's basically how much of a drop we could see. Um, and the other important thing to remember, Travis Yost did a piece a few years ago, too, for TSN, which looked at different positions and on-ice shooting percentage. 
And it's basically, you know, what the piece concluded is that uh, while a center can kind of have some or at least more control uh, on a year to year basis of their on a shooting percentage, um, just kind of naturally, they're more involved in the plays um, while they're on the ice, uh, as opposed to defensemen who have virtually no control in repeating high and low on a shooting percentage. So just something to consider. But again, uh, they're. We're going to look at uh, other stats you can look at, uh, I guess, if you see a guy with a high on our shooting percentage uh, to try and give you guys a real idea of how much regression you should expect from each of these guys. Yeah, that was great, D. Uh, appreciate it. And hopefully if people who didn't know what it really meant, uh, we've been talking about it for a while. So I first, I guess I'd like to apologize for that. Uh, not explaining it sooner, but uh, that should help you guys. Uh, and it's going to be very useful in this segment because instead of just looking at guys who, you know, and in talking about why we do or don't like them, I'm, I, I, today I looked at you know some of the more notable guys with extremely high on a shooting percentages right now, and then off the other end of the spectrum are guys with low on a shooting percentages. So what I'm going to do is kind of just rattle off a bunch of names here. Uh, we're not going to talk about all of them, uh, but just remember that the guys that we talk about with high on a shooting percentages are guys that you can expect to, to see some regression moving forward, and then obviously on the other end of the scale, uh, low on a shooting percentage you can expect. Uh, maybe some some better luck to go their way and, and some improved play going forward as well. So I'm going to start uh, with the, the high on ice shooting percentages. I'll name everybody, and then D, Beebs, and myself will kind of just break down uh, a, a few guys and, and what we expect kind of going forward from them. Uh, so we'll start in L.A. Adrian Kempe uh, has one of the highest on ice shooting percentages in the league right now, which shouldn't come as too big of a surprise, uh, 19.12. Then you got Brandon Perlini also out west. Uh, he hasn't played a ton of games this year, but he's put up a lot of points in these, I think, seven games that he has played in. 16.67 uh, on a shooting percentage. Then uh, complete opposite from what we saw from Aaron Ekblad last year when he sat around 2%. Uh, 16.48% right now. Anders Lee, 15.9. Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau, 14.4. His line mate, Evgeny Daddy Dadanov at 14.29. Yep. Uh, and then a couple of studs in Austin Matthews, Blake Wheeler, and Taylor Hall, all with 14.29 uh, on a shooting percentage right now. So, uh, D, why don't we start with you? What are, uh, I guess I shouldn't say what, who are some of the guys that stick out to you on this list uh, right now? Uh, okay, so I guess the first one we'll jump at is Kempe. Um, and, you know, whenever a former first-round pick comes out hot, it definitely tends to get people uh, more excited than they would be with the average waiver wire player and jumping the gun a little bit. He's got nine points in his first 12 games and it's helped his own percentage rise north of 40% already in Yahoo leagues and uh, Roto world even called him last week, a must own in standard formats. Jesus. Uh, so I, I had to take a look at this when I saw that statement. Um, Super but one impressive. of the things, one of the things you can look at uh, in hopes of, or I guess if you're hoping for players, uh, production to be offset by high on a shooting percentage is ice time, um, which does bode well. Obviously, a bump in that towards the high or even mid-teens could offset some of the loss in his production. Um, but that's about all Kempe has going for him right now. He's only got 17 shots in 12 games. He's shooting 35% himself, which is obviously also due to come down. His possession stats are bad, 44%. Negative 8% relative Corsi on that Kings team. I mean, he's not even getting the lion's share of the chances when he is out there. Uh, and his on ice just isn't just a little high. It's uh, was it? it's 18.6 now, yeah. probably 19.12 earlier or whatever. But uh, Which means you could reasonably chop that production in half when you're considering the re- regression, which is just crazy. Um, 
Still 21 years old, could obviously improve as he gets older, but at this point, it doesn't look like Kempe will be able to offer much help for fantasy teams this year. Um, I don't think he's worth an ad at all. I'd be surprised to see him finish above 40 points this year. Um, so yeah, certainly not a must add like Roto World was touting him last week. Yeah, that's super aggressive. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I never even considered him for a second, but uh, hey, you know, to each their own. Uh, Beebs, who's somebody that stands up to you uh, in this high on a shooting percentage list? Um, for me, it's Anders Lee, who um, who I am just absolutely smacking my myself for not playing tonight because he had uh, two goals and an assist and a 4-3 loss um, for the Islanders tonight. But Anders Lee is someone who scored 34 goals a year ago, which I kind of had to triple take when I looked up. Um, yeah, that's 34, which is quite a bit, especially for, uh, for a fantasy, um, for really anyone in fantasy. Um, that's pretty elite, at least scoring numbers but as far as assists go he's kind of struggled in that category but um one thing about Anders Lee he's shooting right now or he's on a shooting percentage 15.91 I don't expect him to keep that up but I could see him staying higher up there last season obviously he, he had a higher shooting percentage um his just regular shooting percentage was 17 percent um that's a bit higher than his career average which is just around the 15 percent area so uh he, he's a known scorer he's done it with John Tavares for three years now um, and he's proven that he is probably the best left winger for Tavares. I definitely would say at this point, owning Anders Lee is, is, is a must. Um, he's playing first line power play with, um, with Tavares and Josh Bailey right now, as well as first line minutes. Um, he's, he could be a great waiver wire pickup who could stay on your team for quite some time and maybe pick up, um, pick up a couple of assists off of Tavares this year that he wasn't getting in previous years. So I could see him going easily for that 30 goal mark again, especially with this hot start that he's had. Yeah, I think his on-ice shooting percentage is definitely going to be just a little bit elevated, especially recently, just because John Tavares has been on an absolute heater uh, yeah, lately. An another uh, another goal and an assist tonight. That gives him, let's see, five, oh, sorry, six, sorry, let's see, four, plus three, plus three. So we're looking at like seven, nine goals and like 14 points in his last six games. Guy's just been ridiculous. Uh, not even fair. And obviously that's going to uh, help Lee's on-ice shooting percentage rise a little bit higher than it probably would be normally. Uh, another, speaking of guys helping people's on-ice shooting percentage uh, reach astronomical levels, uh, we mentioned Jonathan Huberdo and Evgeny Daddy Dadanoff on this list. Alexander Barkov uh, can also be found close to the top as well. Uh, and that's obviously somebody that Aaron Ekblad sees a ton of minutes with, uh, yeah. which, again, like you said, D, last year he finished the year at 52 uh, and still had a pretty productive year, uh, and now this year, 16.48, right. uh, ridiculous. But I, it just it just speaks to the point, too, right, where defensemen basically have, like, no control um, over their on-ice shooting percentage, whereas, you know, uh, the best offensive uh, centermen will definitely have shown uh, a higher ability to, I guess, repeat uh, high on-ice shooting percentage seasons. Um, but, yeah, like, D-man just straight up don't have really control over it probably because they're not um, engaging with their offensive teammates as much. Um, and Ekblad right now is the perfect example of that. Yeah, and it limited him to 11 assists in 68 games last year, uh, something that I obviously uh, he's not going to continue at this clip uh, right now. But he obviously, like I said, sees a lot of ice time with the Panthers' top line, which is a reason for this right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's funny, like... It's just it was so bad last year. Hopefully that it'll find somewhere in the middle here this year. Uh, because to me, he still is just such a high-end talent. Uh, and, and these guys are going to be leaned on so heavily in Florida this year because they do not have a ton of depth, um, especially uh, on the blue line. 
So Ekblad uh, in that top line will see a ton and ton of minutes this year. Uh, and I still like him, you know, even though this is a little high right now for him. Uh, I still like him as a 15 goal, uh, 25 to 30 assist defenseman this year. Uh, which is exactly kind of where I had him pegged to start the year. So uh, I really like this start for my boy Ekblad. Another Windsor alert for, for our uh, Windsor friends that listen to the podcast. Love it. Uh, but D, <laughs> who else, uh, anybody else on this list that really catches your eye? Uh, well, we're obviously going to talk about Austin Matthews real quick. Not you. Uh, you wouldn't. I think him, Wheeler, and Hall are all interesting, though, because um, they're guys we would consider uh, above average, if not you know, borderline elite offensive talents. Um, and probably the only ones you can say that about on this list. So uh, while Matthews will have his cold streaks, I still think he should be right around a point per game to close out the year. Uh, he should see some drops in his personal and on-ice shooting percentages. But Matthews has the skill and ability to be above average in both regards. Um, so he shouldn't be expected to see as much regression, I guess. Um, and like I said, we know that centers have the most control over their on-ice shooting percentages of any position. Uh, so I think the uptick in ice time he's seen this year compared to last, about a minute per game right now, as well as some overdue production on the power play can offset most of the, regress- most of the regression. Pardon me, he'll say it even strength. Um, and he should be at least be able to get back to the 70-point range he was at last year, so I'm not that worried about Matthews. Um, and I was going to talk about Wheeler next, but I know you, you want to talk about him too, Brock. So Yeah, I got a bit about him. Uh, do you have anything else to add about Hall? Uh, yeah, I think he's very similar to Wheeler right now. Um, neither of them have a high personal shooting percentage, which is kind of unique on this list right now. Yeah. Um, all, for example, just 8.6% would be the second lowest of his career over a full season. Um, he, he's shooting the puck a lot, 35 shots in 11 games. Uh, possession stats are fine, but the 15% on-ice shooting percentage can certainly be blamed for his 12 assists in 11 games. Expect that to come down, but you should note that even if his on-ice percentage dropped to something more sustainable, like 10%, uh, Hall has sustained plus 10% over multiple seasons before. He'd still be just shy of a point per game at that pace right now, or at that rate right now. Um, so I think the Devils, you know, surprisingly potent power play, if that continues, should keep him productive all year long. And while this might not be the return of the point per game, Taylor Hall, it should certainly be, you know, the return of the, I guess, the 65-70 point guy. Yeah, and we talked about Hall quite a bit during the preseason about a guy as a guy that we really like kind of as a sleeper candidate because he fell from grace so quickly. Uh, people mm-hmm. just yeah. kind of weren't paying attention at, uh, you know, to him anymore. Like, that nobody really seemed to talk about him. And he's bounced back in a big about way. the devils, apparently. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we talked about it. When guys disappoint on draft day, where they're drastically underperformed, where they're being taken, people remember that year to year. And oh, not yeah. just, you know, the, the players, but the experts, because they're the ones, you know, I think you know Brock that get screwed over by those performances more yeah. than anyone. But, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the prognosticators, too, it's always so much about the what have you done for me lately. Uh, exactly. Which is it's something I really try to avoid. Like, I try not to buy into one season too much, and it really... Uh, it drives me nuts mm-hmm. sometimes with the guys. Like, you know, the one that always just sticks out to me, this is not even fantasy hockey relevant, uh, but this year in a fantasy football draft, I used, like, a cheat sheet from, I think it was ESPN.com, and they had, like, Terrell Pryor as, like, the number, like, 24th overall player, and I was like, who in the right mind would even d- think of doing that? And then he's just yeah. been absolutely dog shit. I'm like, how can you just see one good season and then just be like, yeah, yeah, this is, like, the 
second round pick. In a new system, too. Yeah, I'm like, this is asinine. Yeah. I don't know. That's just the one that really sticks out to me all the time when I think about it. He was this a quarterback like three years ago. Yeah, I know. It's insane. Uh, I was dying. I'm like, okay, well, I can't wait for somebody to waste that draft pick on this bomb, and it, it happened. Uh, but anyways, yep. I'll talk about uh, Wheeler a little bit. Uh, it's funny because, you know, his uh, probably his personal and on-ice shooting percentage are a little bit inflated specifically because of his uh, hat trick that he scored on three shots on, on uh, Sunday against the Penguins in their blowout win. Uh, <laughs> so that obviously inflates it, but it's crazy. Like, if he hadn't scored that hat-trick, I mean, he only has four goals in 11 games. Uh, but he does have eight assists. He's more of a playmaker. But Wheeler, uh, it's just he's looked absolutely dominant every single time I've watched a Jets game this year. Uh, and there's not much to say. Like, honestly, like, I don't think I could ever see a stat that would really just deter me away from uh, being a kind of a champion championing uh wheeler on the podcast just because like he we, we know that he's one of the most consistent producers in fantasy Always. hockey we've talked about it mm-hmm. uh time and time again uh and you know again nothing will really even make me be like ah don't like this guy anymore like I'll, I'll like him until he literally retires uh he's gonna have 25 goals uh 40 plus assists this year regardless of what the numbers say like he's just gonna get it done because he always does yeah yeah he's to like me, joe pavelski <laughs> the, yeah no for real though the only um kind of red flag or i guess biggest challenge for him moving forward to me uh, right now he's got just a really low uh offensive zone start percentage it's never been below 50 percent before in his career it's down to 41 point 41.9 so far this season so he's clearly being used in a more defensive role or at least in more defensive matchups by paul maurice so far this year um and y- we've seen the result in his possession numbers they're below 50 percent coursey and he's a negative rel uh relative coursey for the first time in like ever in winnipeg um, but nevertheless, he's still been able to put 38 shots on goal in just 11 games. Yeah, that's so, a, that's the one thing I was just going to add is, uh, despite that, he's still uh, on. He's playing more minutes, I guess, than he ever has too, uh, which is nice. Yeah. And he's on pace for uh, to blow away his career high in shots, which could uh, could push him up to 30 goals for the first right. time in his career. It's impressive, and he still gets the, that first line power play time right, which will offset. Um, that ozone starts. It, it makes it easier to take, I guess, when you're being productive on the power play at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Beebs, you got anybody else to talk about uh, in the high on a shooting percentage category? Yeah, absolutely. You guys kind of mentioned him, and uh, it's my favorite nickname in the whole league, even more than Risto now, but sure. it's Evgeny Dadanov. Um, I don't even know if his name nickname is actually Daddy, but I'm going to call him. It is on the podcast. Uh, anyways, yeah, so uh, for Dadanov, though, he's uh, he's just come out guns blazing since being uh brought in from the khl um he's his honest shooting percentage right now is 14.29 and as we talked about kind of with ekblad it's it's the the guys around him he's playing right now with huberto and barkov um and as much as those two guys have looked phenomenal dadanov looks just as good playing alongside them he looks like a perfect fit um i mentioned a couple episodes that he kind of this might be the pattern of a couple seasons ago but a bit worse um and he's kind of looked that way he has six goals eight assists through his first 11 games. Obviously, I don't expect this guy to keep up a point-per-game pace. He never even really dominated in the KHL. Actually, even last year, his which, which was his best season, um, he had 30 goals in 55 games. But I just went back and looked, and uh, his team scored 249 goals in 60 games, which was uh, almost uh, 69 goals more than the next highest team in the league. Nice. So when your team's scoring that many goals, <laughs> when your team's scoring that many goals, um, and has a goal differential of plus 135, um, I'd be expecting more than just a 30 goal season out of you in the second best league in the, in the world. Um, but for Dadnov right now, if you're owning him, he's a great, great, great sell high candidate, but he also might actually keep up and have a nice 60 to 70 point season just because of Barkov and Huberto. Um, as we talk about almost every episode, 
they um they're they're two superstars especially barkov and uh and i really like dadnov kind of feeding off of of barkov and, and what he's doing and and you know those two uh those two look like a perfect fit and who knows they could be uh could be the the elite pair one of the elite lines that we see this year oh for sure uh it makes me feel good at least after one month of the season because my two sleepers on the wingers podcast was uh taylor hall and evgeny daddy dadnov so so far so good uh he's still only 44 percent it's owned, crazi- which is just ridiculous. i know i see people the asking questions on game. yeah it's it's asinine i had him projected for 25 goals 30 <laughs> assists so hopefully uh he'll even be better than that um but we'll see. I, you know, I, I was just going to say, I don't think we've even talked about this guy once on the podcast without calling him Daddy. So it's for sure his nickname. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But let's look at the other end of the spectrum now. Uh, the guys with super low on ice shooting percentages. Uh, there's some really curious names on this list. I'm going to go through them super quick. And again, we'll just jump right in. Uh, UC Jokinen sitting at a solid 0.000 <laughs> on ice shooting percentage for the season. Uh, bizarre, tough, for sure. Um, we'll talk about that one a little bit because that's wild. Oh, yeah. uh, Brent Good Burns. time to move him, right? That's what the Oilers are trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Brent Burns, 1.69 on ice shooting percentage right now. Uh, all over the place right now. <laughs> Alex yeah. Galchenyuk, 1.75. Uh, Evgeny Malkin, 2.97. Sam Bennett, Noah Hannafin, Kevin Fiala, Ryan O'Reilly, Phil Kessel, Ivan Provorov, Sidney Crosby, Jakob Silverberg, Oscar. We talk about him every single week, Clef Bomb. Uh, those are some of the more notable guys uh, to be found at the bottom of the on-ice shooting percentage category. Uh, D, anybody really sticking out uh, for you here? Um, I think I'll start talking about Sid because it obviously the name just jumps off the page when you read it there. Um, and you wouldn't really expect it because it hasn't uh, really affected his production for traditional stats all that much so far this year. And, you know, that's just because Sidney Crosby is amazing and he just doesn't care about things that would normally affect uh, yeah, NHL no. players, but um, the other thing is Crosby is kind of like a bit of a golden boy of honor shooting percentage, or at least kind of a champion of those who make the argument that uh, players and centers especially do have some control over repeating the stat. Because um, I think it was for like his first eight seasons or so, Crosby had an on ice shooting percentage of something around 12.5%, which is nearly 3.5% above league average. Um, no one else, No one else over that time was above 12 um, so the last few years, Crosby has had trouble repeating that success, probably as, you know, he comes, uh, I guess these could be considered more of the twilight years of his prime, if you will. Um, finishing above 10% just one out of the last three years. The point I want to make, though, is it really doesn't matter all too much because Crosby is so good at finding other ways to produce amidst these sort of slumps. Um, so even with an on-ice shoot percentage of just 5%, he's still got 12 points in 14 games, like I said. And the lowest he's ever finished in a year is 8.7%, go figure. Um, so he, he should be expected to regress at least to that point, you would think, at least around 7 or 8%, the bottom half or the bottom scale of uh, league average. Um, but like I said, he's still producing on the power play and produces such a large amount of opportunities that it's not as damaging when they're not going in at prolific rate. Uh, prolific rate sorry. Um, when it does regress, though, it should get rid of that random minus 8 he's rocking right now for fantasy owners that have been frustrated by that. Uh, kind of hoping he does finish the season as a negative because it's never happened. It would be pretty funny, and it would pretty <laughs> much be the final nail in the coffin for plus minus as a mainstream stat. We just lose all credibility at that point. Yeah. If one of the best players in the league finishes as a minus, um, but yeah, you just see the difference between Crosby um, still outproducing Adrian Kempe uh, despite having you know a quarter of the on ice shooting percentage. <laughs> um, so you know that's just the type of stuff we're talking about here. Um, so yeah, 
<laughs> should only expect better things from Sid moving forward, even though, like I said, he hasn't really been all that bad at all. Yeah, for sure. And Biebs, I just want to interject here quickly uh, before I go to you, because I talked a little bit about Malkin and Kessel. Might as well stick with the Penguins here. Uh, yep. This list obviously surprised me a ton, because if you look at I mean, Malkin sitting at a point per game. Kessel's got 15 points in 14 games. Uh, but obviously, uh, this is talking about their on-ice shooting percentage at even strength, and over mm-hmm. half of their uh, production have come on the power play so far. Uh, the Penguins currently sit uh, with the second worst on-ice shooting percentage at 5-on-5, five five, uh, but I think they lead the NHL uh, in power play, or no, second in the NHL in power play, sorry, at 29.6%. Um, obviously, I think it's going to be tough for Malkin uh, right now when he's playing with uh, Tom Kunakl and Brian Rust. Uh, same goes for Phil Kessel, though, playing <laughs> with Riley's 2-17 and 17 Sheehan. Uh I think before the weekend's even out, I think they'll be back on the same line, so I wouldn't worry about that too much. But uh, it is surprising to kind of see these guys uh, on this list because their numbers are so good. But again, a lot of that production's come on the power play, which now this is why I think it's kind of an interesting case because I think that obviously their five-on-five on-ice shooting percentage should start to rise, uh, positively regress, uh, while the power play should see some negative regression. And I think it'll kind of just balance itself out uh, in the wash, you'll kind of just see them stay around a point per game with more even strength points uh, and less power play points. Uh, but at the same time, mm-hmm. if that power play, which we know can be so ridiculous, I mean, just look at the five guys they put on the ice together uh, in Kessel and Crosby and, and Malkin and Latang, and then whoever else, maybe Cheery, Gwensel, Hornquist, doesn't, really doesn't matter. matter exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, they're just the fifth guy. Uh, standing yeah, out there. It could we'll be Matt Murray in the offensive zone for all the, like that matters, really. Uh, so that, you know, we're going to see that 5v5 work itself out. Uh, and if that power play can stay, you know, super hot around that 20% mark, uh, you never know. They could be in for some ridiculous seasons. And this is why this team's won uh, two Stanley Cups in a row. Yeah, but I, I think, you know, for uh, Melkin and Kessel's uh, production sake and even strength, they better get back together soon because that's the one thing that will consistently drag down your on ice shooting <laughs> percentage lower than it should be is playing, you know, with the likes of uh, Rust and Kunakl. Um, just straight up not good scorers and not good shooters, so you can't really expect them, or you shouldn't be surprised if they shoot lower than league average, I guess. Yeah, like I think it's one thing to have Brian Rust on his wing. Like he's done that before. You, you know, Malkin's kind of just towed him along. It's just when the there's past. two of them. But then right? when there's two of them, yeah. Like did you see with, like what I tweeted out yesterday? Just Malkin carrying yeah, both of them great. on their back. I'm like, Jesus great. Christ. Like what do they expect yeah, of this I guy? Like that. Even Riley, she- just- Riley Sheehan just got, I think, Hornquist and Kessel. I'm like, well, he could actually be decent now. He wasn't, yeah, like, I think terrible. it just. It just stretches their top production like too thin. You yeah. can do that with Crosby, but with Melkin, like Melkin's always kind of had that second guy on his line, uh, whether it be James Neal, um, you know, the likes of guys that have come through Pittsburgh to kind of fill that role. Um, he's never really been, you know, kind of that line carrier that Crosby's needed to be at even no. strength. So. And him and Kessel have been so good together in the past. They just need to link those two back up together yeah. and let it ride. Uh, but Beebs, who you got? Um, I got someone uh, who just it, it's just a product of the stuff going on around him. That's uh, Ryan O'Reilly, and he's been uh, he was a hot topic in the first couple of games. People were panicking, wanting to let this guy go, um, and I would not ever suggest that. Ryan O'Reilly is uh, he he's always a steady sixty uh, point guy, or at least has been for the last couple of years. And uh, what's hurting him with his on ice shooting percentage right now is um, his right winger Kyle Acaposo who has zero goals in 10 games on 24 shots. Um, yeah, I'll so talk about his ass like, a little bit oh. later. Yeah, as well as he is playing alongside uh, Benoit Pouliot, I believe, right now, who um, also is also having a, 
a terrible year. So uh, while O'Reilly has eight points in 11 or 12 games, I believe, um, 12 after tonight, he does have eight points. Uh, he's been a nine. It's nine. He's just not. It's just the even strength stuff that's hurting him. He has three power play points. Um, and so O'Reilly's going to get better wingers. Um, if Ocaposo continues to play this bad, they're going to bring someone else there, put someone else there that will work better. Um, so for him, I just Reinhardt see him getting on his better. Line. I agree. Um, it's worked before. It can work again. Every single time um, I tweet out the Buffalo Sabres lines, like people are just like, what the hell? Like, just put Reinhardt on O'Reilly's line. Just end it. It's like they're like trying to just lose. I don't know. But um, well, yeah. they want them both playing down the middle, right? Yeah, like exactly. They want to be a three-line team. Um, and I think the problem is if they stick with that philosophy moving forward, is that's going to be the biggest thing to hurt O'Reilly because when it, when it comes down to matchups, Reinhardt and Eichel's lines are not going to get the tough defensive matchups. It's going to be yeah, O'Reilly. And that's what we've seen, man. Like a 37.4 offensive zone star percentage for O'Reilly so far. Um, that's super low, even for him. Like he's normally around the 45 mark. Um, so, what that does, it makes it so hard for him kind of to rack up the assists that he really is uh, good at. But I, to me, that kind of like where all his fantasy value lies is his elite assist production. And if he can't do that, like 20 goals a season from a center with the depth of that position just isn't enough. Yeah, so it's going to be tough for him. And, and the again, the way that he can make that up, if this role, uh, if he continues with the you know zone starts around 35%, has to be that Buffalo power play. It was tops in the league last year, and it's just not there so far this year at 14%. Um, so it, it's going to be hard for O'Reilly moving forward. I, I do think he's an awesome player, but I just think the situation he's in right now is super tough. Um, obviously, that Buffalo power play could and maybe should be better like i said tops in the league last year but again we were nothing if not surprised by how good they were on the power play last year so who's to really say yeah i think the one thing too about o'reilly um and i don't know if that number is a little bit skewed or not but i noticed when i watch some buffalo games uh he seemingly comes out and takes every single defensive zone face off uh and, and when it's when it's not his line he just jumps off the ice like as soon as he wins the draw and they clear the zone um, so I don't know if that number is a little bit skewed because of that uh, or not, <laughs> but uh, he literally like they just lean on him so heavily, uh, and that's it, it, like he is just their entire like he's like their only defensive forward. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Who else plays defense on that team? Yeah. Not to his caliber. He's one of the best uh, defensive forwards in the league. Right? Oh, so. exactly. Um, do, do you have anybody else to talk about on this list? Uh, no, O'Reilly was the only other one I wanted to talk about. So. Okay. Uh, I just have qu- yeah. a quick mention uh, about Jakob Silverberg before we head to break. Uh, last year, no line played mo- together more at 5-on-5 five five than Silverberg, Kessler, and Cogliano, and that trio had a 53.9 Corsi 4 and a 5.63 relative Corsi uh, and scored 36 even-strength goals together, which was the third most in the NHL. Do you guys know who was the highest? A little mm-hmm. trivia for you. <laughs> I kind of tuned you out, to be honest. Mm, okay, well, it was, J- it was JVR, <laughs> Bozak, and Marner. Uh, oh, most, I was not guessing that. The I most 5v5 yeah, no. goals for it in I can the league admit last that. year. Uh, but this year, Vermette has filled that role <laughs> with Ryan <laughs> Kessler out. Uh, so, obviously, Vermette, not quite the same uh, offensive threat as Kessler, uh, but he's pretty decent defensively, but obviously that kind of hurts uh, Silverberg's production. Uh, they've scored just one, that trio with Vermette now there, has scored just one goal at even strength in over 50 minutes together. Uh, obviously, mm. I think Silverberg's struggles can be uh, a little bit to do with the fact that Kessler's not there anymore. Uh, but again, he's getting a little bit unlucky as well. Just one goal on 37 shots. He's on pace for a career high, 253 shots. Uh, again, have him on pace for another 20-plus goal season. 
and he's already on pace for um, 27 career assists. Sorry, 27 assists, which yeah. would be a career high. So I think some positive regression in the on-ice shooting percentage category. Same with the personal shooting percentage. Uh, and then the re- eventual return of Ryan Kessler uh, in December will go a long way uh, to help Silverberg moving forward. Uh, but that's it. Uh, I, I hope you guys kind of were able to rattle off some names uh, or li- li- you know at least list some names of guys you should maybe keep an eye on both uh, for positive and negative regression going forward. Uh, but let's get to a break. Listen to some Blue Stones. That first half ran longer than any first half ever, but this is our 69th podcast episode ever, so it's a bit of an anniversary for us here. You know it's going to go at least 69 minutes. Yeah, minimum. Uh, But when we get back... Probably an hour and 69. (laughs) But when we get back, uh, I'm going to list off uh, a pretty meaty injury report, and then we're going to have our first cut bait segment of the season. We're going to talk about some guys that's just time to give up hope on uh, at this point in the season. Uh, and then we'll get to a couple Twitter questions to round things out as well. So enjoy the Blue Stones. We'll see you guys back here in 60 seconds. Hey, little brother Dragging your head Maybe something you've done doesn't fit Maybe something I've done instead What if I told you Welcome back to episode 69 of the Daily Faceoff podcast. Hope you enjoyed that sweet 60 seconds from the Blue Stones. It was 69 uh, seconds, actually. Was it 69? Uh, <laughs> uh, um, you know, we're getting uh, we're getting back into some old habits, doing the injury report to start off the second half. So uh, I thought I'd come in and uh, kick it off and toss it over to Brock when he's good and ready. Brock, you good? You ready? Oh, oh so I'm good ready. and ready. Let's go. All, All right, right, check, check. Go ahead, bud. Let's rattle it off here. Radko Gudis, day-to-day with an upper body injury. Who cares? Brett Ritchie, day-to-day with an upper body injury. Who cares? David Backus will undergo surgery to have part of his colon removed. Will miss Ooh. eight weeks. That sounds like it I sucks. Care. Brutal. I care. Like, care. That sounds awful. Uh, Cam Atkinson, day-to-day with a lower body injury. Marcus Johansson, who came back for exactly one shift yesterday before going face-first into the boards. Uh, probably has a conky day-to-day with what is being called an upper body injury, but his face went right into the boards. It looked like it it's sucked. Upper yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's the upperest Ky- of the body. Yes. Kyle Palmieri remains our – actually was placed on IR with a left foot injury. No real timetable for his return. Uh, it looked like he was close, then he was just on IR. I'm not really sure. Uh, not with the team right now. Martin Hansel, no surprise. He is featured here more regularly than any other player, I think, in NHL history. Uh, day-to-day with a lower body injury, not really surprising. David Krejci uh, could, didn't play Thursday, but has not been ruled out. Uh, to return Saturday, he's been dealing with a back injury. Kevin Bieksa, uh, who didn't actually injure his hand in the Superman punch as much as everybody was hoping that was the case. Uh, it was actually his left hand, not his right Superman punching hand. Uh, has not been ruled out. Uh, Randy Carlisle called him a possibility to return on Saturday. Uh, Brett Pesci, or Pesci, I'm not really sure how they pronounce it. Uh, but day-to-day with a conky. Uh, he got hit in the face with a puck in practice and got a concussion. Very strange. 
another concussion, uh, Justin Schultz, also day-to-day. Uh, but they have not ruled out that he could potentially join the Penguins uh, on their West Coast road trip at some point. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff went on IR for the third time this season uh, in one month. He's starting to look like Martin Hansel a little bit. Uh, on IR with a face injury, also got hit in the face with a puck. Uh, it was funny, I tweeted out that he was on IR, and I just put, like, Getzlaff face on IR or something like that. And some guy's <laughs> like, yeah, if I had that face, I'd go on IR too. <laughs> it was actually kind of funny. Uh, but Shane Gossespierre could return to the lineup on Saturday. He did not travel on their two-game road trip, uh, which included tonight's game and Wednesday's game, uh, but has not officially been ruled out for Saturday's game. Uh, either has Nolan Patrick, who continues to be sidelined with what is being called an upper body injury, most likely a concussion because uh, his head went through the glass a little bit. Uh, so that's probably also a conky. But that is the injury <laughs> report. I tried to rip through it as fast as I could. Two minutes and 53 seconds, not too bad. Uh, but let's good. get to cut bait. Uh, the only reason I really thought about doing cut bait again was because uh, we got a new review this week, and I was reading a couple of the old reviews, uh, some of the harsher ones, some of the good ones. And uh, one of them was saying, <laughs> I love this podcast, particularly the cut bait segment. Uh, so I figured, hey, why not bring it back for the old guy who actually left a nice review? Uh, but again, before we get into it, make sure you head over yeah. to iTunes and smash that five-star button for your boys. Leave a review on what you would like to hear. Again, feel free to take shots at me. Don't take shots at Beebs because he can't handle it. Uh, but <laughs> big softy. Big softy. <laughs> but Beebs, let's start with you, you big softy. Who are you cutting bait with? Since I'm so soft, this one really hurt to, to say because, you know, I just I can't let go of things quickly. Um <laughs> but uh, I got Jason Spezza, which I can't even believe I'm saying this. Um, 57% owned. The reason I kind of mentioned him is because earlier we mentioned that Dadanov or Daddy is a uh, 44% owned. So Jason Spezza is 57% owned. Something's got to change here. Um, but Spezza is one of those guys where I think he's kind of riding the name um, no a shit. lot harder than he should be. Uh, just a little bit. And also, I think people haven't realized that if you own anyone who's not on the Sagan or Ben line, you probably don't really want them, um, which we realized with Patrick Sharp last year, who it's just kind of exactly what we're watching ha- happen with Jason Spezza this year. Pretty much um, He has five assists through... Yeah, exactly. He has five assists through 12 games. Um, he's, he's just coming off a 50-point year last year, which actually is not too bad. Um, he's been a steady 60-point producer, but I just think this is the year where he's kind of maybe, maybe, uh, maybe he's hit the too-old point. Um, it just seems like he's not quite the same Jason Spezza as before. He does have 27 shots on net, so he's getting a little bit of shot production, but um, you do expect at least one or two goals from there. Um, I'd expect him to pick it up, but at the same time, there's definitely younger, um, unowned talent that I would rather own than just strictly center Jason Spezza, who, again, as D said earlier, there's a ton of strictly center players, so oh yeah, you could get way more value. Oodles um, let him go. Cut bait with Windsor alert, Jason Spezza. Um, the one thing that uh, is really going to hurt Jason Spezza going forward is obviously his new role of not playing um, any minutes. Uh, some guy yep. tweeted at uh, <laughs> yeah. one of the Dallas Stars Dallas Stars reporters saying, why is Spezza only playing blah, blah, when are they going to play Spezza more? And the guy was just like, this is the new norm for Jason Spezza. He is going to play 12 yep. minutes a night. He's averaging, uh, and yeah. there is a million players out there that average more than 12 minutes a night and are much more serviceable than whatever the, what did you say, 57% own Jason Spezza? I don't know what you could possibly hold out hope for. I really don't. Yeah, no, I don't know. Do you, yeah, who are you cutting like you said, I mean, last game he had 11 minutes. That's 11 Ugh. minutes is fourth line Matt Martin territory. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Ugh. 
D? Uh, I'm going to look at a guy that was we actually mentioned but didn't talk about um, in the last segment, that the low on-ice shooting percentage end. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk, that on-ice shooting percentage, under 2%, but he's just been so bad in so many aspects of his game. My biggest concern is whether he'll ever get the opportunity he needs to kind of right that shit. Um, the last two games, he's been below 11 minutes in ice time. That's below Jason Spezza levels. It's just not a recipe for fantasy success, regardless of the on-ice shooting percentage you're on. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think the Habs have obviously lost some patience in him as well. Um, they tried sheltering his minutes super hard last year to the tune of a 68% off in the zone start percentage, and that just did not work. Uh, he, he struggled more and more at even strength over the last two uh, full seasons. He's buried on the fourth line right now, starting to lose power play time as well, which always used to be the one staple of his game. Uh, when he had his breakout season a few years ago, nine of his 26 goals came on the power play. So he definitely needs that power play time. Uh, I just think the Canadians are too frustrated with his play and too stubborn of an organization. Um, he might need to go somewhere else to figure it all out. He obviously still has more upside than most of what you'll find on the wire, which I want to stress. So I, I would be hesitant to cut him, but I think for the right price uh, for a guy like Dadnov or something along those lines, he's definitely worth making that tough uh, decision right now. I dropped his ass for Shea Theodore. Just cut him. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but uh, I'm cutting bait with Kylock Poso, another guy we've already kind of spoken to or spoken about in this episode. Uh, realistically, uh, there's nothing really, there's no way to sugarcoat this one. Poso has just had a terrible start. Uh, two assists in 10 games. Um, yeah. I just don't know what the reason for holding him on, holding on to him would be. Like, I don't know what you're hoping for. Uh, he had just 19 goals and 26 assists last season, if that's what you're waiting for. Have fun. Uh, you can keep waiting, but there's really no reason to. Uh, there's just players with much higher ceilings out there on the waiver wire. And if you're in a league where the, that dumbass plus-minus stat exists, then, uh, you know, there's guys with higher ceilings that will hurt your plus-minus category less than this guy. Uh, there's just, like, he's not playing with Johnny T anymore. Like, we just talked yeah. about Anders Lee earlier, uh, who's just being unreal with Johnny T. Uh, and and Okposo's just not playing there anymore. He's uh, so yeah. No, just get rid of him. I, uh, I think the like the biggest thing too, right? Is even when Akposo did have his super productive years, he was always uh, more of an assist guy than a goals guy, uh, more of a playmaker than a scorer, if you will. And playing with O'Reilly and Puglia right now, that just does not not going to complement that <laughs> game. There's no real goal scorer on that line. I like Benoit Puglia, but he's just not that. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think we've talked about it a few times already this year. He's basically got zero to any fantasy value left zero to any <laughs> zero to any zero to any fantasy value at 25 25 percent owned so most people have already figured it out but i'm just giving the last 25 percent of those people a heads up this guy sucks cut bait yeah beebs yeah cutting bait with i'm out i'm i i cut oh, my one hard bait oh it's cut your one bait all right dude you got a second baiter no you're you're swimming you're oh, treading water right all right now, I'll, cu- I'll cut it up I'll cut. That's all right. I'll cut another guy. I'm cutting Dimitri Orlov. Uh, 24% owned. I like Orlov. We all cut Dimitri Orlov. Well, you know what? This is what I don't understand. Is I like Orlov as a player Mm -hmm. in the NHL, but I never really understood the fantasy hype. Like he always seems to just have this absurd hype around him that I've never really. For Washington, I've never really understood. Uh, He's had a nice couple of years, last two years. Uh, But then when Matt Niskanen went out for an extended period of time, I thought he would see some elevated power play usage and maybe, you know, start posting some career-best numbers. And it just has not come to fruition at all. He's barely seen 
any uptick in power play usage even without Niskanen. Uh, it's basically just all going to John Carlson and Alex one Ovechkin. And it's just Orlov's done pretty much nothing. Uh, and if it's not going to happen now, it's not going to happen ever. Uh, I think you could make the argument that if Niskanen's back playing with him, uh, it helps him. Uh, you know, makes his minutes a little bit easier. Uh, you, you know, obviously playing with somebody of Matt Niskanen's caliber rather than uh, some of the young rookies they got in the lineup right now should would help a little bit. But also, like, if he's not going to be really seeing any power play time, there's no real point to hanging on to this guy. Uh, I didn't really see, I didn't really understand the hype to begin with. Uh, so now that there's pretty much no hype, I don't understand why he's still 24% owned. So Didi, or sorry, Biebs, hit us with some Twitter cues. Yeah, so Twitter questions. I got really um, negative always. during this segment. I liked it. I was very, yeah. I was very, I was very harsh on these guys. I'm cutting bait with that. You gotta be. You're cutting bait with. Yeah. It's the nature of the segment. You got, you the got, it's like uh, it, it's like Moneyball when uh, you gotta cut that guy, and then he's just like, you gotta just cut him. Just. <laughs> are you? It's like that. You've been traded. Here's this guy's number. See you later. It's, you gotta just it's do like it. That, but. You're not actually talking. I'm not on board with that analogy, but I yeah. don't have the time or effort to go into it. So, peeps, go ahead. So, I was reaching. All right. Twitter okay. questions. <laughs> um, so, right. hit us up on Twitter at Daily Face or at DFO Podcast. I don't know how I messed that up, but it's at DFO Podcast. That's our our show Twitter. Or at any of us, there's at Brock underscore Sagan, at 3D Berthium, or at Beeps Bondi. Um, and if you ever want some direct answers, feel free to hit us up from there. And one of us should get you an answer. Um, or just send it to the podcast, and uh, one of us will also get to that. But um, our first question today, um, it's, it's a little mixed question. I'm going to include two in one because two of our of our listeners had kind of the same question. But um, J, at jgram underscore 18 asks, um, is Brent Burns' slow start concerning? Um, should I sell him now or hold? And then at supervixen13 asks, or adds on to that, and she goes, yeah, WTF. <laughs> he's going on with Brent Burns. I draft him in the first round of my other league, and he's just not producing. Um, so I think really the question here is, what the hell is going on with Brent Burns, guys? And is it panic time or not? Uh, yeah, no, I'm not panicking at all. Uh, as we mentioned, he has yeah. one of the lowest on-ice shooting percentages in the NHL and has still managed to pick up seven assists in 12 games. Uh, that prorates to 48 assists over the course of the season. We've also seen him fire 54 shots on goal uh and that's produced zero goals at this point something that is definitely going to change that would put him on pace for 369 shots over the course of a season which is even higher than he's had over the last two seasons which were completely absolutely ridiculous he scored 27 and 29 goals in those two seasons uh, i'm not concerned in the slightest uh selling high isn't even a thing that's possible right now because he's not playing that good, buying low certainly is. Uh, target this guy in any trade that you can. This is going to turn around eventually. I'm not worried one bit. Yeah, I just All think right. it's funny too how like just the terrible cold streak, no production from Burns is seven points in 12 games, which really you know isn't that far off what you would or what you kind of hope for for your uh, fantasy defenseman, right? So. Um, something to consider, but yeah, like Brock said, he's shooting the puck like literally more than ever, which is crazy to think about uh, when you're talking about Brent Burns, and he hasn't scored yet. So just obviously something that's going to give. Like, did anybody actually think there was room for improvement in the shot production category from this guy? Seriously, Come on. dude. <laughs> trying to get back to 350. Yeah, it's crazy. Speaking of shooting, though, this next question comes from uh, at the Archoneer. 
yeah, yeah, it was like that stretch. Um, but he asks, "Oh um, shoot, I got you. Yeah. That was yeah. more of a stretch than my Moneyball reference. I tried super hard, but he um <laughs> at the Archineer asks, "Is Alec Martinez going to have similar offensive numbers as last year?" And then go oh, slow start. Um, so Brock, I'm assuming since Alex Martinez is a bit deeper league owned guy, um, or deeper in the roster guy, um, how about Alec Martinez for this season? Uh, well, this is a guy that I kind of told people to pick up uh, a couple weeks ago, um, or maybe last week, can't really remember. Uh, but no, yeah, I like Alec Martinez quite a bit. Uh, he's on pace for a career high in shots, even though he missed the uh, start of the season. Uh, this guy who had 11 goals in 2013, uh, 14, six goals a year after that, and just 56 games, 10, and then nine. So he's uh, a threat for double-digit goals. Uh, he also had 30, a career-high 30 assists last year. But not only that, this is a guy that pretty much is locked into power play minutes because outside of Drew Doughty, they don't have a single other offensive defenseman out there. Uh, Jake Muzzin, I guess you could make a case for him, but Martinez is much better. Uh, and then after that, uh, it depends what kind of league you're in too because this guy just kind of does it all. Uh, he's already got 31 blocked shots in nine games. Uh, so he'll... He'll give you a little bit of everything. I'm not concerned about him at all. Uh, I mean, you can't really say that three points in nine games is a slow start for a guy that's really not expected to light the world on fire. He's the bottom of your roster kind of D-man, and uh, I think he'll just he, he won't like ever light the world on fire, but he'll just be steady, and you don't you kind of just plug him in and don't really worry. Yeah, yeah and I, I, mean, I I sorry not to cut you off, Bees, but I, no, I, I totally agree. Like I think he's a great player at even strength. Um, and, you know, just one point on the power play so far, which is probably kind of where the disappointment stems from. And obviously something that you would kind of expect to change and not, you know, one power play point through every nine games. You'd probably expect better um, out of Martinez. But, uh, yeah, I think otherwise he's playing pretty solid. He's playing more minutes, too, than he ever has or anyone ever has. Maybe he's averaging 24 and a half minutes a night, uh, which is super high and maybe not the best, you know, over a full 82 game season. But uh, nevertheless, I think we can expect around 40 points again, uh, or at least for sure in the high 30s for Martinez. Yeah, just the goal production too, which is tough to come by. Like it's not it's not super easy to find double digit goals uh, from defensemen. And like I said, if you're in a block shots league too, like shit, get on get all the Alec Martinez you can get. I think he bangs a little bit too, so uh, hits leagues, you know, bang, bangers. <laughs> oh leagues yeah, so bangs. Throws bod. Uh, throws bod. Sure. But is that all the Twitter cues, or we got one more? Yeah, we got one. We got one. Uh, one final one here. Um, and actually, it's funny that you mentioned uh, that you forgot about the cut bait segment because apparently our listeners don't. Oh, really? This comes from uh, <laughs> at Matthew Gross forty one. He goes, "How do you guys feel about Mikel Granlund? Would you cut bait on uh, and move him, or keep waiting on him and or keep waiting on him to pick it up?" Sorry, I read that terribly. That's you wrote it perfectly. Reading is not your forte. It never has been. It's not. Either is <laughs> writing. So <laughs> it's just it's overall struggle for me but anyways how do you guys feel about Mikel Granlin he has had an absolutely terrible start well so he was far. hurt and uh, I'm not worried about him at all uh yeah he, was no, hurt. he shouldn't be he was hurt he picked up two op- apples tonight so he's got three assists in six games now uh he's actually shooting the puck quite a bit 18 shots in six games uh a lot more than he's used to firing at the net not a not a volume shooter really uh, but just a, a hell of a playmaker he did have 177 shots last year so if you can get back to that uh, I find it hard to believe that I'll shoot 14% again, but I do like this guy as a, uh, especially if he increases his shot volume, I think he can get back to 25, but I see him more as kind of a 20 goal guy, but just, just so many assists. Uh, 
43 last year. I think he could easily be 50. Um, maybe not this year, but still only 25 years old. As that like, it's hard for me to say because like that lineup's so banked up right now. But I mean, I'm definitely not cutting bait with him whatsoever. Uh, as that team gets healthier, uh, he might be their best player realistically. So uh, definitely hold on to him. Yeah, I That's agree. It. Um, yeah, that is it. <laughs> Sorry. No, all I was going to say is that I think he just has such a steady floor that you'd be crazy to, to cut him right now. So. Yeah. He picks up just helpers and bunches. It's awesome. I love Granlin's 60 one of my points favorite. free. Yeah. Granlin's one of my favorite players in the league, so I'm not cutting him ever. Uh, if you're in our, if you're in the DFO podcast league though, you can trade him to me. I'll take him. Uh, but that's it for episode number 69 of the daily Faceoff podcast. Uh, I'm Brock Segan with me as always, Dylan D. Bertithume. And Beebs Bondi, hopefully next time we come at you on these, I don't know, what what are they called, uh, airwaves, I guess? Probably not. It's a podcast, not a radio show. But anyway, next time we come yeah, at you, hopefully we got a, a nice new sponsorship. Uh, audio files. Jinx got, it. Never happening now. No. We, oh, you guys God. said we jinxed it last week, and we, there's no jinx Forever. going on. Wait, did we talk about it last week? Yeah, we did. And there's yeah, not, we did. we're not jinxing yeah. it. We're, uh, okay. we're talking about it every week. Uh, negotiations so are ongoing. So hopefully we got a nice shiny new sponsorship next week. But one thing that we've had since day one is the Blue Stones. Let's let them take you home. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.